Good morning. We're in uh, Philippians chapter 1 this morning. Philippians chapter 1. Uh, we're in this sermon series that's entitled, You Are Welcome Here. We want to create welcoming environments that lead others into, a, into the life that we have here at Cornerstone. And so far we've talked about sin We've talked about those who sin and those who doubt and those who are broken or welcome here. And last week we talked about how. They are welcome. You are all welcome here in love. And today we're going to continue that conversation about how everyone is welcome here as we talk about fellowship. And Paul does a good job here of talking about fellowship. Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 3, we're going to read all the way to verse 11. Paul writes, I thank my God every time I remember you in all of my prayers, he said, for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And it is right for me to feel this way, he says, since I have you all in my heart for whether I'm in the chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. And God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, as we have read your word to us, I pray that your spirit of wisdom and discernment will move among us in such a way that our eyes, our ears, our minds are open to your truth. I pray that you'll bless our time together, that our spirits will be filled with the truth of your word, and that you will transform our earthly bodies be more and more like you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul says in verses 4 through 5 that he remembers this Philippian church and he is filled with joy because of their partnership. Uh, the word that NIV translates as partnership is the word koinia, in Greek, you can see koinonia, uh, koinonia uh, translated as fellowship elsewhere throughout the New Testament. Fellowship, or koinonia, is used throughout the New Testament in a variety of ways. For example, in 1 John, John tells us that the purpose of the gospel is so that we might have koinonia, that we might have fellowship with God and with others. 
Paul uses the same word to describe that relationship, that fellowship, that koinonia that we have with God and with others. And he adds that we have the koinonia with the Holy Spirit. So there's also that relationship, that fellowship. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we're told that the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to koinonia, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Fellowship in the New Testament is more than just being friends. It's more than just hanging out together. It seems as though fellowship in the New Testament is the blending of hearts and minds and souls in Christian love. It's oneness. And today I want to talk about that oneness. I want to talk about what, how Paul describes it here in Philippians chapter 1. He starts out with the oneness or the partnership, the fellowship, the koinonia that happens in the gospel. Partnership in the gospel. You see, Paul is grateful for the Philippian church because they have been present, engaging, they have been active in ministry with Paul since day one. You could read all about Paul's experience with the Philippian church in Acts chapter 16. Paul arrived in the city. He couldn't find the synagogue. And so he went outside the city next to the river and he found this gathering of women who were praying and worshiping God. Lydia was one of these ladies who received the gospel, was baptized, and became a Christian. She allowed Paul to stay in her home during his time in Philippi. And we read that one day, that Paul was headed out to that river to pray with these ladies, and he came across the slave girl. And this slave girl was unique because a demon had possessed her in such a way that she was able to tell the future. Paul heals this slave girl. She can no longer tell the future because this demon has been exercised. And the owners of the slave girl were furious. That was their money. She was their money maker. And Paul ended up being thrown into jail. And during all of this time, the community did not idly sit by. We are told here in Philippians that during that time, the community joined in koinonia with Paul, continuing the work of spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. And even with the fear that they too might be thrown into jail, right? I'm about to lose my voice, y'all. I'm going to pop this uh, cough drop here. Here's my point. I love Tennessee allergies, don't you all? Here's my point. Koinonia in the gospel meant that the church does not idly sit by while the professionals do the work. Come on. 
Koinonia in the gospel means that Christians do not idly sit by while the professionals do the work. Jessica and I, we were looking through memories back in 2020, and there was this really cool trip that came up. Uh, Jessica and I had gone to Indiana to celebrate my grandmother who had passed away. Uh, her celebration of life service was wonderful. And we decided we would take the camper. At that time, we had a camper. We decided we'd take the camper up there uh, because a lot of COVID restrictions during that time, if you remember. And they were a little bit more relaxed in the campgrounds. So we took the camper up there. And it was a wonderful service. We did honor to my grandmother, honor to God. It was wonderful. And we're coming back to Knoxville. And we had, and now if you know where my grandma lives, she lives in the middle of nowhere, Indiana. We're talking cornfield after cornfield, straight lines. It is about as boring as could be. And we were down some dirt road trying to get to some normal road, right? And I blew a tire. In my truck. So I get out, I get all my stuff out, and this farmer drives by on his tractor. He said, Y'all okay? We said we were, that, you know, my blew a tire, I was just gonna change the tire and get back on the road. It wasn't but five minutes later, I had barely got that truck jacked up. And he comes on his four wheeler, he had a giant jack. I mean, it made my jack look tiny. He brought some power tools. He had that thing jacked up in no time, helping me change the tire. Before long, his wife comes along with another four-wheeler, and she's got popsicles for the kids. And we were like, this is amazing. What a cool, cool family. And we got back up on the road. But, but I got to thinking about that story, and I got to thinking about how they didn't have to do that. I had all the tools I needed. I had my jack. I had my four-way. I had my spare tire. I had everything I needed to change that tire. But they refused to sit idly by, right? And they joined together with me, koinonia, in my work. Koinonia does not mean we idly sit by and let the professionals do the work. You are welcome here. Now, here's a shovel. <laughs> Let's change this world together. All right, write this down. This is the second one. There's partnership, there's koinonia, there's fellowship in hardship. And he says that. He says, it, it is right for me to feel this way, that he has joy. Because whether I'm in chains, it's hardship, or I'm confirming and defending the gospel, you shared in God's grace with me, he says. Paul says they shared with him even while he was in jail. Koinonia has a deep level of empathy and compassion. You personally may not be going through the hardship, but at the same time, you're kind of going through the hardship. Paul says it this way in Romans 12. 
Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Therefore, when you join a community, you will start experiencing the ups and downs that others face in the community. If you want some testimony about this, just go and talk to a couple folks. Talk to Frances about when she had cancer. Talk to Debbie Wentworth about what she's going through right now. And they will tell you that this church, this community, shared in their hardship. But we also rejoice with those who rejoice. Ask Austin Putt about what happened when he graduated with his MBA. We surrounded him. We celebrated with him. We were a community together. In 1886, Carl Benz drove his first automobile through the streets of Munich, Germany. He named his car the Mercedes-Benz after his daughter, Mercedes. The machine angered the citizens because it was noisy. It scared the children and the horses. Pressured by the citizens, the local officials immediately established a speed limit for these horseless carriages. Three and a half miles an hour. And Benz knew he could never market his car and compete against horses if he had to creep along at those speeds. And so, he invited the mayor for a ride. He then made a little arrangement. He started going through town, and all of a sudden, the milkman pulled out in front of him with his horse and carriage and went slow. This infuriated the mayor. He said, go around him, go around him. And Ben said, I can't. We've got these rules. I've got to go three and a half miles per hour. Guess what happened to that law? Koinonia means that you jump in the car and you experience together. You are welcome here. Hop in this car, we'll get through it together. Now finally here, Paul talks about transformation. A partnership, a fellowship that happens in transformation. Verses 9 through 11 make it clear that he wants, he prays, that their love will abound more and more in knowledge and depth and insight. And not that they just love each other deeply, not just that they love God deeply, but so that they may be able to discern what is best so that they can be pure and blameless, so they can be filled with the fruit of righteousness. He's talking about transformation. He's praying that together their love may abound more and more, and that they will be transformed together. I want to be transformed in this way. There is truth that when we're being transformed individual, we can do that. 
We can grow as individuals. But Paul is talking to the church here, not to individuals. And Paul is saying grow together. This kind of community of oneness is transformation. And it brings glory to God. When everybody is growing together and we are becoming one, people notice and they give glory to God. John Mark Cromer writes a book called Garden City that I'm currently reading and I'm only about halfway through. But he pointed out a story in 2 Chronicles that I thought was incredible. It's the story where Solomon in the, the whole the whole, the whole country is celebrating the building of the temple in Jerusalem. They took seven years to build this temple. They crafted the temple into an architectural masterpiece. And Solomon gives this amazing prayer, offering the temple to God. And then, when Solomon finished praying, Fire came from heaven, and it devoured and consumed the burnt offerings, the sacrifices. And we're told that the glory of the Lord filled the temple like smoke. And it filled the temple so full and so thick, the priest could not enter the temple because the glory of the Lord filled it. And then when everybody saw that, they fell face down and gave praise to God. And they worshiped God saying, you can read this in, in Second Chronicles, He is good and His love endures forever. God's presence, His glory, was not in a far off place in heaven, his presence and his glory filled the temple and everybody was like, whoa, praise God. Because that's what happens when God's glory shows up. Now let me usher you into the New Testament. Because Jesus was hours away from his trial. He was about to be led away to be crucified. And so Jesus prays this very specific prayers for his disciples. And then he prays for you and me. John 17. My prayer is not for them alone. Talking about his disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Folks, that's you and me. That's you, Richard. That they may be one. That they may be one, Father, as you and I are one. That's some oneness, right? May they also be in us so that... The world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, 
that they may be one as we are one. I and them, you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Did you catch it? Jesus essentially prays for you and me that our unity, that our koinonia, may glorify God in front of the world. That our unity, that our fellowship, that our oneness can bring glory to God. There is no difference between the glory of God in the Old Testament and the New Testament. God doesn't change. He's not any different. And people will fall on their face and worship and honor God when they see his glory. And we are basically being told right here that when there is oneness, there is glory. That God's glory shines. You are welcome here. Now let's be transformed and allow the glory of God to fill this place. As you can see, fellowship is vital to the welcoming that happens when you are welcome here. And I pray that we can be a community that takes fellowship seriously. I pray that we can be a community that fellowships together in the work of the gospel, the good news. We can be a community together that leans on one another in hard times, in good times. And that we can be a community together of oneness, my friends. Oneness that brings transformation and the glory of God. We're moving into our time of communion. And it's a beautiful act of fellowship, is it not? Where we participate together in remembering the sacrifice of Jesus. And I'm going to ask that as we sing, you go to one of these three communion stations that you'll take the cups and bring back to your seat and reflect. Marie will come up at that time and share a few thoughts as we take communion together. Let's pray. Father, I am truly grateful for your amazing grace. For a grace that unites us as a fellowship of believers that unites us in the gospel, that unites us as we go through trials together, that unites us in transformation. And I pray, Father, that that gospel, that your oneness, that your fellowship will truly be a way that we can glorify you to this world, to this city, to our neighbors. Father, thank you for Jesus Christ. And as we gather this morning, 
to honor and celebrate you. We pray that you'll bless our time. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.